0: What a beautiful day to praise God. Amen? Y'all do look rested this morning. Doing a little bit better. It's great to be together. If you are visiting with us, and I've seen some visitors with us this morning, we want you to know you're honored guest. We're glad that you are here. We want you to come back and be with us any time that you can. Got a lot of things that are going on at Southgate. I'm excited about our, our ladies' class is doing a project, putting together Thanksgiving baskets. I know we're going to have announcements about that. Uh, one thing we're going to try to do with that is we're also going to want to give everybody that we give one of those baskets a Bible. Uh, So look for opportunities to give to that, whether you're supporting bringing uh, materials for it, If you want to give money towards it, you can do that as well. Uh, We want to reach out to our community for sure. Uh, Our lesson this morning is going to go right in line with uh, a lot of the thoughts that Mike led us in this morning. Uh, This paradoxical idea of following Christ, a lot of things that Jesus teaches, is going to be totally upside down from what the world is telling us. Uh, As a society... Uh, We don't think what we see on the board is what's most important. A lot of people, we love to be first, don't we? Uh, Recently, what do we want to do? We want to find the best baseball team in the nation, right? World Series. What do we want to do? We celebrate those that are first. Why? Because we want to find out who's most talented, who can perform on the big stage, and then we say they are absolutely first, and we recognize that. Uh, College rankings... The big debate, who is first, okay? So we sit there and we put it up there and then we argue it and we just watch it change week to week, but we are, can be obsessed on who is first. Sometimes being first is about a potluck, now, Beast Feast was the only picture I could really get on that, but what happens? A lot of times we see a whole lot of young folks that go sprinting up to the front of the line. Jake was not doing that. He made the picture, but I don't think he was sprinting to the front. But what happens? We want to be first, because sometimes it's just, it's, you know, within us we can be very selfish. We want the things that we want. Families, you go to Gatlinburg and it can get a little competitive, hitting the go-karts, uh, that can get kind of violent sometimes when you get to go-karts. Simple things, we get in a race. We hop on there and we want to be first. The last one, I want to give a slight trigger warning because this may have some people that are scarred in this audience that I, I know personally are scarred, but mm, you got to be first, right? Families and can just you know fracture over competition that happens. What do we know? We know that in our world we celebrate, we strive for, we chase after being first. But then Jesus comes and says, I want you to follow me and I want to sort of change your mind along those lines. We're in Matthew chapter 20 this morning. I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you'll open that up, we're going to be uh, trying to work through a lot of that chapter this morning. We won't be able to get through every bit of it. But in this chapter, Jesus is going to be on his way to Jerusalem for the very last time. He is gonna be traveling the road to the cross and as he is traveling to the cross, he wants to get people's minds set, not on what the world teaches but on what he is wanting, to, wanting them to focus on. And one of the lessons that he's gonna be giving in this chapter that's gonna pop up a couple different times is this idea is that the last will be first and the first will be last. Look in Matthew chapter 20 verse one. <clears throat> Jesus is going to tell a parable here, and he's talking about a guy that needs some people to get to work. He needs some people that will come. He's the master, and he comes in, and he goes out in the morning. And that first thing in the morning, he's going to go out and says, all right, who's can work for me? They raise their hands. I'm going to pay you a denarius for your work today. So they get out in the field, and they start working. Then the third hour of the day, which is going to be 9 o'clock, he goes back and says, hey, here's some more people. Will y'all come on? I'll pay you what's right. He goes out at the sixth hour. It's going to be noon. Come on out. Go ahead and work. He goes out the ninth hour, which is 3 in the afternoon. But hey, come on. Join up, and I want you to go work into my vineyard. And you see this idea of the kingdom of heaven, the spiritual kingdom we're trying to be a part of, is like this. We have a master. Our master has a vineyard, he is looking for laborers, and he has the ability to reward those that are willing to answer his call. But as Jesus is telling it, he has a specific purpose here. These individuals are hired at all kinds of different times of the day, and the master simply says, I'm going to give you what is right. Look at verse 6. And about the 11th hour, he went out... And found others standing and he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. The master goes out at 5 p.m. Okay, it's the end of the day. He sees some guys that are there and they've been standing around all day long. He says, what are you doing still waiting here? He said, well, nobody's really hired us. He says, well, come on. Let's go ahead and work. And he, they go into the vineyard as well. Well, as Jesus is telling the story, he says, evening comes and the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each one of them received a denarius. Okay, now what just happened? These guys that got hired at 5 p.m. show up They work for one hour, and as they walk up to the master, the master has his foreman give each one of them a denarius, which is what he told he would pay the guys that were hired first thing in the morning. So they see that, and they see that they get paid a denarius, and what do we start thinking? Well, if those guys got paid a denarius for one hour, and I've been working for 12 hours... They've got in their mind that even more is going to come to them, and that's what they're thinking about. And he sees the folks that are hired at three, and they're given a denarius, and those that are hired at noon are given a denarius, and then those are at nine, and then it goes to the ones that were hired first thing in the morning, and they're going to receive it as well. Jesus is pointing out a challenge, and I think there's a couple things that are going to be a challenge to us if we try to accept Jesus' teaching on this last shall be first. It's hard to accept the principle of the last shall be first when you're focused on what you want and what you feel you deserve. What am I getting out of this situation? Those individuals said I was going to be paid a denarius, but as soon as I see somebody else getting something, I start comparing myself to other people, and we have to be careful to sit there and think about what we deserve. Well, that's what they did. Verse 10, it says when those that were hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius, and on receiving it they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last only worked one hour, and you've made them equal to us who borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius?' take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Sort of an interesting story, but Jesus is going to tell it for a very specific reason. In context, he's going to be talking to the Jewish people and we need to understand what he was trying to teach them, what was going to happen with the kingdom of heaven. And then I also want us to look at some principles we can see as Christians as well. Uh, Jesus is speaking to the Jews of his day specifically with this story. The Jews have been called since Father Abraham... 1,500 years before, God had come and said, I want you to be a chosen people for me. And they were gonna go into Egypt. They were gonna be led out of Egypt into the promised land. They were gonna come into the promised land and we're gonna have to fight for the land that belonged to them. They were gonna try to continue to be faithful to God. They were gonna worship him at the tabernacle. They were gonna build a temple. These people were going to serve God all along, trying to follow his laws. They would fall away. They would make mistakes. They would be flawed, and they eventually would be hauled off into captivity. But what happened? God brings them back to the promised land again, and they are there so that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, could be born in Bethlehem just like it was prophesied. They had been faithful to God all of this time. But there was a problem. They were going to try to move forward saying we are the ones that God is going to save and not be worried about anybody else. We've been trying to serve God in our nation, in our background. My parents, I can go my genealogy all the way back. All of these tribes have tried to be faithful to God, but Jesus is trying to get their mind around the fact that there's going to be some people that are going to come up, and you know what the master's going to decide to do? He's going to reward them just like you, have been rewarded so that's what they're going to have to fight and what you see you're going to see that the master is going to be generous you saw that the individuals who had worked all day said hey we've been here all day long and they start grumbling and complaining but what does the master say can I give to anybody as generously as I want and what do they have they don't have an answer I've decided to be generous and give to them why gripe and complain And we see something about God here that our master is generous and he's going to pay people as he desires not based on what they can earn because we're going to see some things for us as well. The master doesn't take into account the amount of time worked when he starts to look at the reward he's going to give. What does the master look at? Are you willing to answer my call? Are you willing to enter my vineyard? Will you be a part of Of my kingdom. And we see that that's going to be the master, the father's prerogative. God's prerogative is to say, Look, I'm going to look out at all of my children, and whoever will make a decision to follow me, I'm going to reward them. And we see that God's idea of what paying somebody is not like ours. We go and we think we're going to earn those things. When somebody has that talent or has that ability or puts in that hard work, they're going to make more, but our master is going to be different. You know what he says? You can't work hard enough to earn this. I'm simply going to give something to you if you will answer my call. And I believe that's a very important lesson for Christians within this story. For the Jews of that day, it was going to be, look, when other people, when other Gentiles, when people outside of the nation of Israel decide to come to the Father, Jesus just wants them to know that he's going to reward them too, just like you are rewarded. But for Christians today, what do we need to know? We need to make sure that we're not fooled into thinking that our work in any way earns our reward. That's not the way God looks at us. God is looking for saying, who will agree to be a laborer? Who will come and work in my kingdom? And while some people may have that great blessing to be able to do that for their entire life as other people come up and say, hey, I'm ready to answer the call, he's going to reward each one equally. Our reward is the grace. It is the gift of God. And he gives that gift to those who will answer his call and listen to his desire. Where are you this morning when it comes to answering his call? Where are you this morning whenever it comes to say, look, you have a master who is ready to reward you. Have you answered it? And are you walking in his kingdom? Because that's what we see. We just have to answer his call, be obedient to his will. But he is the one who's going to save us. And what does he say? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. What's the lesson for some of us this morning? If you have not yet decided to follow God, I want to encourage you to do so. If you haven't made a decision to say, okay, I'm now going to go with him, if you've been standing idle, if you've been sitting back and watching everything else and your life is going by and you haven't plugged in with your maker, you haven't figured out that this life is worth so much more than the physical things that you see, if you haven't accepted him yet, I want to encourage you to follow him. If you're putting it off, don't. Make the decision today that I'm going to decide to now walk from now on with real purpose. God knows individuals' hearts. He's looking for people who are open to him. And as long as life is left in your, uh, as long as you have breath in your lungs and life left, answer that call. Sometimes people sit around and say, well, I've spent too much time. Imagine those guys that have been around, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. There's nothing else really I can do left. But Jesus tells the story that God comes up and says, are you ready right now? And that was the day. They received that denarius, they were rewarded and he says the last shall be first. Well that continues on as you're walking into Jerusalem in Matthew chapter 20, we're gonna move on down to verse 20. You're gonna see once again this idea of individuals are gonna have a hard time with what it means to be first. Uh, Here you see the mother of the sons of Zebedee come to him with her sons and kneeling before him she asked him for something. And he said to her, what do you want? And she said, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. James and John's mother comes up to Jesus and she has a request. What is it? Please give my children first place. They're on the way to Jerusalem. They think that Jesus is going to maybe start this physical kingdom. They think that he's going to be the leader. And if he becomes the leader, if he becomes the king, she comes up and says, hey, James and John, can you let my two boys, one sit on your right hand and one on your left, let them be first place? Because she's thinking like the world thinks. You know what I want? I want that position. I want that honor. I want that power. I want that esteem. And she comes and makes this request. And I think we see another challenge here, and I want to speak to the parents this morning. Those of us that have children, parents can make it hard to accept this principle of the first shall be last and the last shall be first when it comes to our children. How many mothers today, if you had this opportunity, be like, well, I would like for my kids to be on the right and left hand of the kingdom too, right? We all love our children but sometimes how we operate and how we deal with others, we may miss the picture here, and that's what's happening. We all want our children to be blessed, but I think we see a warning here for parents. Do you want your children to be first, or do you want them to be okay when they're last? Because in our society, we want our children to have everything, don't we? Do we want our children, do you want your children to be treated better than everybody else? Do you want them to have the advantage over everybody else? Do you want your children to have privileges that others don't have? See, I think we're all naturally partial to our children, but if we are not careful, we can cause them to miss this principle that Jesus is going to say where the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So parents, I'm going to ask you this morning, do you want your children to be in first place? Or do you want them to develop traits in their life that will be good for them in walking with the king? Do you want your children to always be first? Or do you want them to sometimes lo- learn from losing and not getting what they want? Do you want them to always get the spot on the team? Or do you want to have an opportunity to tell them, hey, you, you need to work a little bit harder. Go and earn that. When you think about them spiritually, do you want your children simply to be happy and have all the things they want in this world, even if they're distractions, or do you want your children to be holy? Do you want them to be privileged, or do you want them to be pure? Do you want them to be followers and have a lot of people and be popular, or do you want them to be faithful? Do you want your children to always be served, or do you want them to be servants? Do you want them to accumulate worldly power and possessions and degrees and go and get those big jobs? Or do you want them to have spiritual depth and desires for God? Now, obviously, this isn't always a pick one or the other. But I think as parents, we have to focus. James and John's mother comes up, and she's thinking about physical things, and she's missing out on spiritual things, and Jesus is going to speak to that. So I would just say as we read this, parents, beware. We've been given the God-given privilege of developing and leading the hearts of our children. So I would say as we look at this, let's not let our children be selfish, demanding, self-centered or spoiled. Instead, guide them with these principles. Let them know. And what's going to happen? It's going to help them to see the Father. It's going to help them to understand what God's looking for, and some of these lessons are difficult, and it's totally upside down from what the world's saying, and we have to make sure we don't give into the world's idea of what makes them successful. When our children are willing to come and take last instead of first, we ought to praise them for that just as much as we would if they had success because of something they're trying to go out and accomplish I think of Luke chapter 14, this is an interesting account where Jesus is sort of teaching this same principle. He's talking to people, and he says, whenever you go out to a party, what, what exactly are you expecting? And he tells a parable. He's, he noticed that when people came in, they always wanted the places of honor. They wanted to be recognized. They wanted to sit right next to the person. You think of that birthday party, and you have the person with the cake, and who's going to sit right next to them? But Jesus says this. He says, when you're invited, go and sit at the lowest place. So when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. He actually gives a warning in verse eight of that chapter. He says, watch out when you go somewhere. If you think you're first, you come in and say, I'm important and everybody ought to know it. He says, you sit next to the person who's throwing the party, but then all of a sudden, a visitor from out of town comes or somebody more important than you shows up and they're like, hey, can you, can you scoot on down? Come on up here and all of a sudden you are demoted in front of everyone else. What's Jesus saying? Don't come into a situation saying everybody ought to recognize how good I am. He says, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You take the last place at that party. You sit at the far of this place away and you let the person who's throwing the party say, hey, what are you doing down there? Come on up. Let other people exalt you and don't try to exalt yourself. Why? Because whoever exalts themselves, we're going to be humbled. If we're willing to humble ourselves, then we're going to let other people exalt us. What's the challenge? Once again, it is a selflessness. Jesus is trying to show us these principles. Why? Because many times those who want first place often don't need it. And those who deserve first place sometimes are no longer seeking it. And that's sort of this conundrum of this idea of the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Well, back to what the mother had requested, verse 22 of Matthew chapter 20. Jesus answers her and she says, he says, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And they said to him, we are able James and John's mother comes up and says, Look, Jesus, can my son sit at your right hand and your left? And he says, You don't really know what you're asking for. Why? Because Jesus is headed to a cross, not to a crown. Okay? His crown's going to be of thorns. He's not going to be sitting on a throne there in Jerusalem. And he says, I am going to give up my life. And you're asking your kids to be on my right hand and my left. You don't know what you're really asking. Are you able to drink the same cup that I'm going to drink? And they said, We're able." I've often wondered what Jesus' response was to that statement. James and John were two of the closer apostles with Jesus. Whenever he went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, we saw that he took James and John and Peter. Whenever he's going to be in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night that he's betrayed, they leave all the other apostles, and he tells James and John and Peter, you come a little bit farther with me. It looks like these are two of his inner three that have been really close to him. John's going to be right there with him at the Last Supper. He's the one whom Jesus loves, is how he refers to himself in that Gospel of John. But they come and they look at Jesus and say, yeah, we're able to take that cup, having no idea what they're really answering. But Jesus knows they will. James is going to be the first Christian martyr as Herod is going to have him killed by the sword. He's going to be the first apostle to lose his life. Is he going to drink that cup? Yes, he is. Is he going to be faithful to death? Absolutely. Does Jesus know that? They said, we're willing. They just don't understand what cup is coming. John is going to be, as according to tradition anyways, we see that all the other apostles are going to lose their life and John is going to be the only one that we believe is going to die of a natural death. What a cup to drink. Every other apostle is going to die. John's going to know that he loses his brother. He's going to most likely find out as all these other individuals give up their life and he's going to remain faithful till death even through all the difficult news and all the difficulty that he was going to have to face. They come and they say, yes, we're able. And they are. But he said to them, verse 23, you will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and my left hand is not mine to grant but it is for those to whom it has been prepared by my Father. Well, when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers, but Jesus called them to him and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Jesus uses this moment with this mother that was misguided with these two guys that don't know exactly what's going on to teach them and to teach us the principle we're trying to get into our minds and into our hearts this morning. He says, everybody come here. You know what happens in the world, don't you? In the world, whenever somebody gets powerful, they use their power. In the world, everybody's saying climb the ladder and once you get to the top of that ladder, you pull it up and you hold on to it and you have all that power. Might makes right. Power is privilege. And when you all of a sudden have a little bit of something, you, you hold that for yourself. Whoever has the power makes the rules. But in my kingdom, with my disciples, it should never be that way. Look at what he says in verse 26. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many." James and John came and they thought, hey, I want to sit on the right hand or the left hand. They're thinking Jesus is going to be sitting at a place of authority, but Jesus says, look, that's not what it's about. The other guys are indignant. Why? Because they were playing the same game. I want to be first. I want to be next to Jesus. Why should they be next to Jesus? I want it for myself. They're being selfish. They're trying to accomplish these things. They're trying to get position and power and prestige, and Jesus just says, look, stop all of that. The world plays those games. My disciples don't. If you want to be great, be a servant. You want to be a servant. If you want to be great, you be a slave. Because greatness comes by serving other people. But it's so uncommon then, it was so uncommon now as well. If you ever watch a TV show, Undercover Boss, I don't know if y'all have seen that one or not. You've got the CEO, you've got the person who's in charge, the person who owns the company and all of a sudden they come down and they you know, put on makeup or they come undercover and they're out there and what are we seeing? It's a whole show about there's no way is the CEO serving the food or they're over here coming in and working in the warehouse and they're trying to figure it out and you have all this back and forth why? Because in this world, whoever's in charge, well they're not going to get their hands dirty with those low jobs and you see all the things that are learned in the middle of this show. But what Jesus says is, undercover boss is the way it's really supposed to be. Within my kingdom, the greatest people in my kingdom have decided, I'll do the lowest job. If you want to be great in the kingdom, you decide to simply take a position of service and take care of other people. Those who choose to be last by serving will be first. The people who are the last to leave. People are the last ones to quit thinking about the church and God's kingdom and what they can do for it. The last ones to maybe get what they want. The last ones to be served. They're also going to be the first ones to serve. The first ones who say, how can I care for somebody else? The first ones to look at a way to take care of somebody else who is hurting. They're going to be the first ones in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because they've chosen to be last. So Jesus has a challenge for us, doesn't he? When's the last time I said, it doesn't matter what I want? When's the last time that I said, what can I do to take care of somebody else instead of being taken care of? When's the last time I said, how can I serve someone else? Because we have to understand that is what greatness is. The last shall be first. Well, how can we commit to being last? I've got one final passage for us to consider this morning. Jesus is coming and he's going to have to continue to hit this drum. He's going to have to continue to teach these principles because his apostles still aren't going to be listening. They're going to go to the Last Supper still arguing who's the greatest, who's the greatest when they've ignored his if you want to be great be like this child if you want to be great serve other people none of them are going to be willing to do it but jesus is going to show them with his life how they can make a decision to make sure they are committed to being last and the same thing is true for us paul speaks to it in philippians chapter 2 as he challenges us this morning let us think about our example he says have this mind in you which is yours in christ jesus Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. If you're struggling with taking last place, if you're struggling with serving other people, if you're struggling with the temptation to be selfish and self-centered and thinking about what you can get, if you've been fooled by the world into saying, Look, I want to be number one and holding the world standards of that, what do we do as disciples of Jesus Christ? Look at our Saviour. He's our example. Jesus is our model. He's our Lord. He's going to show these disciples what it means is he's going to gird himself with a towel, get down on his knees, and wash their filthy feet as their master. And he's going to say, I want you to go and do the same. If you are, if you're looking at Jesus, you're going to come to serve. If you're looking at Jesus and following him, you're going to empty yourself If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, you're going to obey him and look for ways to be obedient and give your life for the Father. And what's going to happen? The last shall be first. You humble yourself and you'll be exalted. And as you look at what happens with Jesus, he is going to be exalted. Why? In the kingdom, this is going to be common because this is the one that we're following. This is the master that we want uh, to obey. This is the one that we want to walk like. And what happens? When we go out with this mindset... The world isn't going to understand it. Let your coworkers know that you're willing to be last. Let the world know that you're willing to serve. Let your classmates and your teammates know that you don't have to be selfish because you have a power within you that is showing you worth that's not based on what the world does. We're serving a Savior who took last place and what do we know? He's exalted throughout all time. What do we want to do? We want to be just like him. He didn't look for glory for himself except that his father in heaven would be glorified. He took the lowest seat knowing that ultimately in heaven in due time he would be exalted. He knew the greatest use of a life would be to give it in service to the father in heaven so that you and I could be forgiven. And what do we have an opportunity to do? To walk with him directly into that reward. So I ask you this morning, are you ready to answer God's invitation today? The master went out into the community and said, who's ready? Who's ready to work? Who's ready to join? If you will come, I will reward you. If you will come and walk with me, everybody in my vineyard is going to be blessed, is going to be rewarded. Are you there today? Have you answered that call? Have you said, Father, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I'm willing to confess him. I'm ready to change. My life isn't going where I want to go, but I know you'll give me the things that I need. Have you given that over to God yet? Have you come to him and said, look, I want to be buried with Jesus. Why? Because I want to die to myself and I want to live to him. Are you ready to do that this morning? That's what we want to help you to do. That's what we're all about is helping people to put themselves last so that God one day will put them first. Are you ready for that work? He's still calling for laborers. He's still offering unimaginable grace but you have to answer the call. Are you ready for that this morning? If you are, we're ready to help you. If you're here this morning and maybe you look at your life and say, you know what, I've missed this teaching. I put myself and my desires and my pleasures and the things that I want in front of everything else. I put myself first for way too long. Maybe you need to confess that. If you do, we wanna pray with you. We wanna pray for you and we wanna help you. If we can help you in any way, we invite you to come as we stand as we sing.